Then they bowed their heads and worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground. So they read from the book, from the law of God, with interpretation. They gave the sense so that the people understood the reading. And Nehemiah, who was the governor, and Ezra, the priest and scribe, and the Levites who taught the people, said to them, This day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep. For all the people wept when they heard the words of the law. Let's pray together. Dear God in heaven, we ask you, as we always do, to be here with us, and we trust that you are here. May my words be your words and all of our thoughts your thoughts. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. There's a sign on the wall over in the early years daycare center where um, the, uh, the, where our Sunday school rooms are. Actually, there was a sign. I went over there this morning to confirm the exact wording of the sign that I was going to share with you, and it's gone. So apparently they knew uh, that I was going to be talking about their sign, and they wanted all the evidence to be gone. Uh, but there's a, there was a sign over there that until recently said it was, uh, it was it said unique. And it said, you are totally unique in the history of the world. There has never been anyone just like you. And in all the future of time, there never will be. And that sounds sort of nice, right? We like that idea that, that we're special, we're, we're unique. Well, I'm here this morning to rain on that parade. Um, I'm going to say that at least in some ways, you're not a totally unique snowflake. In fact, in one important way, perhaps the most important way, you're just like everyone who has ever lived and who ever will. And almost as proof, sort of just when we thought we were unique, we have this reading from Nehemiah before us this morning. We read about... A force that is literally as old as the world. I want to be clear about something. When I say literally, I mean literally. Not in the sense of, I literally ate 50 hot dogs the other day. Or, it's literally 100 degrees below zero today. But in the sense of a t-shirt that I saw online recently that said, the misuse of literally drives me figuratively insane. So, back to our reading from Nehemiah, though. The people of Israel have gathered together at this place called the Water Gate. And they've asked Ezra to bring out and read from the book of the Law of Moses. Remember this, because it's, it's a key point. They ask Ezra to bring out the book of the Law and to read from it. They ask for it. You know how um, sometimes when somebody gets smacked, you hear, you hear somebody else say, well... They were asking for it. The Israelites are asking for it. Literally. So Ezra brings out the book of the law. And he reads it to them all morning long. It says, from early morning to midday. These are super religious people, are they not? They're so interested in hearing from their God that they actually ask to have church all morning long. It sounds like a good church, too, because they have people there to interpret the book so that they can understand it. 
But then something interesting happens. After this morning-long church service spent reading the book of the law and worshiping God, Nehemiah and Ezra and the Levites realize something. All the people have broken down in tears. The scripture says, all the people wept when they heard the words of the law. So this is a a three-step process has happened here, and this is the thing that we have in common, right? You, me, your neighbor, the mailman, Abraham Lincoln, Steve Jobs, the Israelites, and every single person who has ever lived on the earth, or who ever will. The people ask for the law. Then the people understand the law, and then they are broken by the law. And this relationship with the law, the rules, is as old as time itself. Literally. We think that we want it. But as soon as we get it and understand it, we are broken by it. This morning I want to look briefly at those three steps before announcing the good news that there is a way to break this cycle. So first, we ask for the law, just like the Israelites did. They told, they told um, Ezra to bring them the law. We do this all the time. But why? You would think that we'd want to be free, right? No rules, no regulations. As, as Outback says, no rules, just right. You know, we, we think that we want no rules, and that does sound pretty great in theory, but the problem with no rules is that when we really get down to it, no rules means... No way to tell who's better than anyone else. And make no mistake, we are in love with telling who's better than someone else. The Who have a greatest hits album called Who's Better, Who's Best. And this is a great description of what we spend a lot of our time doing. Comparing ourselves to everyone else around us and trying to figure out who we're better than. I may not be as good a father as Rick down the street, who's always going to his kids' recitals, but I'm sure as heck a better father than Stan, that guy doesn't ever seem to be home at all. The law, the rules, the requirements, even though it doesn't have to be written down anywhere, is what tells us how to be a good father, a good mother, husband, daughter, son, Christian, just a good person. We are desperate to get credit for the good things we do. So we need there to be a structure to tell us what's good. And that structure is the law. So we want it. We need it. Because we need to know where we stand. Usually, though, even though we want it, we don't actually understand it. How do I know that we don't understand it? Because we don't spend a lot of time like the Israelites did at the water gate, right? Remember, they spend all morning having the law read and interpreted to them, and by the end, they are totally wrecked. Most of the time when we hear the law, the rules, the requirements of life, we usually think that we're doing pretty well. We go to as many of our kids' events as we can. We call our mothers once a week. We let our wives choose the movie once in a while. And even when we do feel like we're coming up a little bit short of the standard, 
we generally think that the answer is to just try a little harder, do a little better. And so the reason I say that we don't actually understand the law is because what we're doing is lowering the standard so that we can think of ourselves as having accomplished it. See, we turn be a good father into go to more than half of your kids' recitals because, come on, aren't they all the same, really? We turn be a good husband into let your wife choose the movie that you watch every once in a while. But does this really make us a good father, a good husband, a good person? What are you thinking when you're at your kid's third soccer practice of the week, freezing your butt off? Aren't you thinking, boy, I wish I was anywhere but here. Maybe, you know, on on a beach in Miami by myself. And what are you thinking while you're watching that movie that you let your wife choose? Isn't it something like, boy, I can't wait till my wife goes to bed so I can watch Die Hard. Now, maybe these aren't your things. I don't know whose they are. They're certainly not mine. Maybe these aren't your things, but we all have our things. The things that we use to make ourselves feel like we're being good. But the main thing is something that we all share. We grit our teeth And do things we'd rather not do so that we can feel like we're good. So far, so good, right? Fake it till you make it, right? But then one day, you wake up and your wife's not there anymore. Either you come home and find her closet empty or you find all your stuff on the front lawn and the locks have been changed. But what happened? You were always thinking of yourself. Sure, let you, you let me choose a movie from time to time, but I could tell you were just waiting for me to go away so that you could do whatever you wanted to do. And all of a sudden, you're like the Israelites, reduced to tears. A few years later, it becomes clear that your kid doesn't want to have anything to do with you either. Their door's always shut. They won't tell you what's going on. They go to college on the other side of the country, and when they graduate, they're gone. What happened? You barely came to half my stuff when I was a kid, and even when you were there, I could tell the whole time that you didn't really want to be there. And all of a sudden again, like the Israelites, we're reduced to tears. When we hear the true standard, the full requirement, the real law, it destroys us. We are exactly like the Israelites in Nehemiah. Destroyed. And this is the first truth of true religion. The law, properly understood, will kill you. It will reduce you to tears and ruin your life. Amen. No, just just kidding. (laughs) So if the law kills... What brings life? If the law destroys, what resurrects? Well, let's see what Ezra and Nehemiah say to the people of Israel who are lying on their faces, covered in tears, crushed by the weight of the law. They say, go your way, 
Eat the fat and drink sweet wine. Send portions of them to those for whom nothing is prepared, for this day is holy to our Lord. Do not be grieved, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. They basically tell the people to go have a party. Stop crying. Have a party, because God will be their strength, even in this time when they feel so weak, so broken. Now, wait a minute, you might say. How can this God, the same God whose law is so oppressive that it breaks his people down to tears and destroys our lives every day, how can the same God also be our strength, our protector, our refuge? In other words, how can the oncoming enemy force also be the rescuer? How can the judge also be the defense attorney? Now, luckily for us, the lawmaker is not the only face of God. Our God is also God the Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. And he appears on the scene at just the right time. In Romans, we read that at just the right time, while we are ungodly, while we are sinners, Christ comes for us. While we are like the Israelites, oppressed by the law, our faces, on our faces, under the weight of our own failures, covered in tears and broken, right then, Christ comes. Check out Jesus' words in our reading from Luke. He says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And then he says, Today, This scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. It is done. The good news of Jesus Christ, the gospel that we preach, the announcement that prompts us to go eat, drink, and have a party is that though the law comes and destroys us, the Son of God comes and resurrects us. Our death, is overturned by Christ's death. Our life is created by Christ's life. We hear the law, and we are brought to tears. We hear the gospel, and we are moved to joy. In Christ, we were poor, but are now rich. We were captive, And are now released. We were blind and are now able to see. We were oppressed but are now free. In Christ, this is the year of the Lord's favor. Amen.